But then she said, I'm sure there would be a time that comes that you take photos and it doesn't need any editing. And it made me laugh. <laughs> because I realized for people who, oh my God. Um, who doesn't have the background in photography, editing means that you've done something wrong that you are fixing it. Oh no. Mm. Oh no, my dear. Editing is part of unseparable part of creating. Yeah. And uh, it goes hand in hand. It's, it's the last touch you are doing. And without it, it's like your dish is missing salt. Hello, hello. This is your host, Yutama. And welcome to My Food Lens Podcast, where we talk about everything from food photography, styling to business and mindset. After 15 years as an architect, I switched careers and I'm now a professional food stylist and food photographer based in Singapore. I'm also the founder of the business My Food Lens, where we help clients elevate their brand through drool-worthy photos. My motto is, put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Welcome to another episode of My Food Lens Podcast. Today, my guest is this incredibly talented food photographer. Her name is Hania Niku. I'm sure you've heard of Hania because she is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly talented. I mean, her work is just absolutely downright gorgeous. And she has this signature dark and moody style, which is exactly what we are going to be talking all about on this episode. We are going to explore the world of moody photography, you know, everything that goes into creating mood. Actually, we're also going to talk about what is dark moody photography? Is there something like moody photography at all? And also, what is the secret ingredient to creating mood in photography? Hani is going to share her process, her gear, her secret sauce, her thought process, her photography process, and her insights all about her dark and moody photography. We are also going to talk about some of her signature photos, some of her most outstanding work and how she created those photos and the lighting setup for them. We are then going to talk all about editing and how does editing help with creating mood, you know, does it or does it not? <laughs> and from there, we are going to talk all about social media and what kind of photos do well on social media and the role of social media today. So this is going to be a power-packed episode with Hani, all about moody photography and creating mood in food photography. So let's get started. Hi, Hani, and welcome to My Food Lens Podcast. Such an absolute pleasure to have you here. I mean, you don't even need an introduction because everybody knows you through the beautiful, beautiful work that you create. You know, every time I see your images on Instagram, I'm like, wow. And I instantly know that they are your images. I mean, your colors pop so beautifully. But what really, really strikes me is the way you create and work with light. I mean, the mood in your photos. I feel like there is a juxtaposition of moods in your photos, to be honest. I feel warm and cozy when I look at it, but I also feel bright and refreshed. The highlights are beautiful. The shadows are beautiful. And it's just 
such a signature style of yours and i can't wait to you know have a conversation all about how you create that how you work with light your approach towards moody photography and i hope the photographers today can you know really learn from that so that they can understand what moody photography really is all about and perhaps even have a signature style of their own so honey before we get started can i please request you to introduce yourself to our audience please tell us your business where you're located and your social media handles please Sure. Um, hi, my dear. I'm, it's my honor to be here today with you. It's a pleasure really to uh, have your face in front of me and talk to you. And yes, I'm very excited about this. And thank you for such kind compliments. It's very humbling. I appreciate it very much. It makes me very happy. So I am Hanie Niku. And my handle on Instagram is the same, uh, Hanie.Niku. And I am currently located in Berlin at the moment. It's about a year, actually. It's 11 months. I have been a full-time food stylist for HelloFresh. I went from freelance to this full-time job, keeping my freelance at the side. And I can talk about that more because um, coming out of um, COVID, I would say, and coming out of a long um, maternity leave I would say for me I really was looking to be in a group to work with being out of the home and you know be more in touch with people and also working on my own for so long for almost three years it made me feel I really want to be part of bigger projects and start networking uh, see how other people are working expand my experience I would say so I wouldn't just be just stuck in my own world of creating and I was lucky enough to find this position and I have been putting my 100% in it and enjoying it so much so far but also like my own freedom of creating and I use this opportunity to keep my freelance work to be very selective I also invested in my gears and uh, my home studio to take it to the whole level. So instead of doing, because I need also to make money, doing less, making maybe more or the same at the same time, you know, I just wanted to take it to the next level. And this was my solution for it, to keep doing what I like, um, being a food stylist and full-time and also have my business on the side. So that's, I would say, a wrap for now. Fantastic. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting the best of both worlds, I would say. Amazing. Um, <laughs> so tell us, uh, honey. I got to be that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So tell us a little bit, I'm going to start with something fun. I'm going to start with why don't you tell us, you know, so from the way we see your photos, you come across as a very, like, you're very serious about your photography, you know? So tell us, just speaking to you, just the conversation we've had just before we started recording, I can tell that you're a little bit different kind of a person. So tell us uh, something fun about yourself that not many people know. I'm laughing at this because uh, honestly, (laughs) I thought this question would be the most challenging question to answer. And I was thinking about it. Yeah, the reason is it's two ways. It's either it's it's two interesting things happening in it that it has become so normal to me that I don't look at it as fun fact or I have such boring life because whatever (laughs) I was picking, I was like, is it fun? But then I've thought about something this morning that I thought I would say and when you see you know you say you through your photos you sound very serious 
it actually matches what I want to say. Oh, yeah, so well, that's okay. why I'm laughing. All right. Yeah, so my personality when people meet me is a mixture of uh, extrovert, introvert, and I explain it how it is. If I meet with one person, I can be warm and welcoming and kind of, it depends how excited I am. I can be even a bit too much. So, <laughs> you know, open and loving and yes. fun and talkative, talkative, talkative. <laughs> but put me in a crowd and I do not like to be the center of attention. I just shrink and go on the side. And um, a lot of people actually count that as being serious and even snob. And the reason I say that, because I have a few friends that they are like 20 years friends with me or 15 years friends with me. And after a couple of years, what they, they all shared with me was when we met you at the beginning, we thought, oh my God, this is the last person I can be friend with. Such a snob girl. <laughs> and we end up to be from this crowd. We end up to be the best friend after. Oh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think... I think that that also applies to my Instagram. So as it grows more and more, I'm becoming more and more reserved, I would say. Uh, it's exactly being the center of attention that it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, bye. And <laughs> the funny enough, it's about my post, the post that they do better. I kind of disappear after a while. Like if a post is doing better, you probably don't see me for four or five days. Yeah. It's, it's just becomes overwhelming. It's not like I'm not responding to all come. Of course, you know, the, the time doesn't allow me. I, but at the same time, it becomes overwhelming to get that positive feedback and attention. And I'm like, okay, I think I need a little break from this place. And I just go to a quiet. So I think it's a bit of the personality. Um, yeah, I can be fun if we are in very intimate group and, you know, like one, 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 but yeah, if, if you see me in crowd, please don't think I'm being snob. It's just, I'm hiding. <laughs> but that's so interesting you said. It's like you're being you 100%, you know, whether it's you in person or your work or your presence on social media, that's exactly who you are. That's that's so interesting. Thanks, thanks, honey, for sharing that. That's oh very God. interesting. Oh All right, so I'm going, to, I'm going to switch. Since you brought up Instagram and you talked about your photos, I'm going to switch a little bit into... You know, tell us a little bit about how you did get into food photography and how you learned, you know, give us a little snapshot of how you, sure. you've reached. So I'm a graphic designer. I studied graphic design and uh, I fell in love with photography when I was in school learning graphic design because we had classes. And before that, I honestly didn't even think about photography as something I would be interested. I did not even touch the camera until I was 20 years old. But I fell in love so deeply that I regretted even not going to like school for it then. But I spent all the resources I had when I was at school learning graphic design because we also had dark room. Then it was digital photography was not that, you know, I'm, I'm old. Yeah. Let me tell you this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm from the era that digital photography was still very new. And, uh, you know, we were learning the basics through the film photography and like, uh, negatives and developing them and darkroom and all. And I, I just spent all my time, all, I, I took all the extra classes I could at the university and, um, my passion for photography started then. And it was mostly, um, fine art, street photography. And I just loved the black and white. Of course, mm. you probably can tell. And, um, that, 
is how a connection with photography started. But I did not jump into food photography till actually almost three and a half years ago. Mm. And that's a very big gap between uh, my 20 years old falling in love to my 36 years old. It's like 16 years of gap. And this time, okay, I finished graphic design. I worked as a graphic designer for five years. I left country. I went to France to do my degree in master degree in fine art and I chose photography as my medium again fine art you know um, totally different totally different from food photography and I after that I always kept it as my a medium for expressing myself but really not connecting it to something that I would make a career out of it and until three and a half years ago uh, and I love baking and cooking and you know becoming a mother also brought more of that so it it was all coming together and it was um when my daughter was two years old and uh, we moved from us to uk and i had some time she she started to go to daycare very little like a few hours uh, a day a few times a week and during that time I was living close to my brother and he has an Italian restaurant. And then he said, you are so good at taking photos. Could you come and take some photos of my food? I'm like, yeah, why not? And believe it or not, I didn't even take my camera. I just went with my iPhone then and took photos and it looked really good. I mean, not now, not now, but like compared <laughs> to what it was. And yeah, I was like, oh, this is fun. Maybe I can do this. And then I started looking at Instagram and I just, you know, it's, I have to say Instagram is really good. You search for something and then it starts just boring you all the things that, you know, it's, it's a good part of it and it's bad. You know, sometimes they're like, you're, you're watching me. Like I put one word there and then you start showing me all that. But in this case worked well for me. And then I was just amazed. Honestly, I just I saw all these pros and I was like, what? I was missing this whole time. And that's how it started. I mean, I started learning on my own, just trying to discover. I had the basics. I knew how, you know, I had the base there for photography and how it works and how to work with light. But composition, food, storytelling, all it just came through self-learning, trying to understand the work of people I loved, uh, trying to analyze. I mean, one of the things I always tell the students I had, because I stopped having them since I had the full-time job before, was um, the best way to learn is whatever image you find inspiring, don't pass. Save them, go back and analyze what it makes it inspiring to you, what you like, and put it in words about how it's the lighting, how, is, how this lighting stands out to you. How many source of light do you see? What's the direction of the light? Uh, can you say which direction is coming and, you know, based on the shadows? Can you say if it, a reflector has been used or not? Can you say, um, is there a color palette that you can put your hand and say, oh, this, this is, these are the colors that have been matched together and used? Um, uh, you know, the composition, can you, can you find those rules that you hear it here and there, you know, about the composition rules? Can you pinpoint if it's been used here? And um, for me, that has been the way for me to learn and try to just apply it to my work. And I just, I had, I had a lot of time on my hand and I was just uh, a lot of <laughs> inspiring images to, you know, try. It was just the, the time that everything came together. I was taking photos on a daily basis for over a year. It was just 
a lot of it and I post a lot of it on Instagram as well. I would say I would like to have a mentor and take classes, but at that time we were going through a lot. Um, we moved three times and Corona started and all, and it was just not possible for me to do it. Otherwise, I think it would take a lot less time for me to achieve uh, whatever I wanted <laughs> that I did on my own. But uh, yes, that's how it started. Well, if in three and a half years of doing food photography, you're here, like I can't even imagine how quicker you would have gotten anywhere. <laughs> this oh, is no. amazing. <laughs> it's amazing Thank to know you. that, you know, just by working hard, just by really getting down to the nitty gritty of how you study a photo that you can actually teach yourself a lot, you know, and of course it came from practice. I think uh, your background of graphic design also plays a huge role in just understanding composition, yeah. aesthetics, and, you know, balance, harmony, a lot. I'm an architect and I speak from that experience because I think a lot of that is, I'm sure, very intuitive to you too, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, in graphic design, forms and colors play a huge role in, uh, you know, four years of studying graphic design and work working five years as one definitely has shaped you know my eye and I can't I can't ignore that yeah I think that has been and I think it shows so, so beautifully in your work because I still remember I think you, you have a rhubarb tart that you've yeah, done yeah, and yeah. it's so geometric it's amazing and then you you add some white flowers in the frame yeah is that right and so, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. so it has the strong geometry of rhubarb, but then you're adding that delicateness, you're breaking that geometry and you're adding a little bit of that warmth and, you know, you're creating that little yeah. bit of contrast, I would say, in textures and in the feel, just that little detail makes so much difference, which is exactly what I find the mood that you create in your light also, that you just balance it and you contradict it and you create this contrast you know, of the coziness with the brightness. So I feel like, oh my God, it's so matching everything that we are talking about right now. Loving it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank so, you, my dear. So tell me yeah, how. Yeah, that how, chart, I think it's my yeah. best, my yeah. best reached work, I would say. I was like, whoa. I, I, I have to say, Instagram has been kind of nice to me recently. So we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. But that rhubarb, that was something. And I think you did a whole rhubarb series. And for me, rhubarb yeah, is yeah, always yeah. A very strong photography subject also because it has a very linear geometry and I feel like everybody uses it in a very unique way. And so I can definitely see your style coming into it. It was very striking for me. But I want to get into something. I want to actually set the tone for our conversation now because, sure. honey, I feel like there are a lot of words that get thrown around, especially because a lot of folks have gotten food photography or photography in general. And everybody has their own interpretation. So when we talk about moody photos, you know, people have a perception. This is a moody photo. But there are different moods and there are, there's a whole spectrum of moods that you could create. So moody photo is actually quite, in a sense, a broad term. But, you know, it depends also on our interpretation because mood is subjective. So tell me, how do you define moody photography and what is creating a mood in photos what does that mean to you so yeah that's that's very interesting you say because I also learned a lot of uh, terms in food photography being in the community of food photographers because you know I do not have the background in food photography so for me also it's new and then um it, it's interesting that moody photography is equal to dark which is 
strange to me because I think each photo can have a mood. Even a bright photo is kind of a mood. I mean, yep. so yeah, I really want to know what's the root of this coming. And um, I mean, sometimes one time I was just thinking it in a funny way. I was like, when they call someone is moody, uh, you know, they say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a personality, <laughs> right? Problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. So are they meaning that there's some <laughs> darkness in that person? <laughs> then, then, then they are applying it to moody photography. But yes, so for me, I mean, if I want to specifically call a photography moody, I would, I would call it when they have created an environment of uh, feeling. It's it. It doesn't need even to be dark. It has this sense of um, hominess, a light coming from one side, and it naturally some parts are darker. It's not a uh, staged like you know this staged studio set that we put. Um, because I see some people even try to do create like what they call a dark photography, but the way they create it is is not natural that it looks it's just like a product photography in a way that we call it more um commercial like commercial kind of photography and then they, they try to create what they call a mood but they just bring the dark props and backdrops but the lighting is not there the setup is not there the editing is not and then they add you know they try to make the mood with using a little bit more of rustic uh, homey yeah but it's, yeah. it just doesn't add up and it looks like a fake scene so for for me when I'm looking at moody photos it doesn't need even to be dark it it needs to bring that sense of realness of home of the mood, this mood of a home in afternoon morning it mm. can be even a hard light it can mm. be uh, it can be noon and it still be you know it can have that hard light uh, sun coming and still be a moody photography I have done some of them yeah and I have heard People saying, oh, this is a hard light moody photography. I'm like, yes, it is. It doesn't mean that it's supposed to be just a certain lighting or, you know, a certain colors coming. It's the sense you're getting, the story also you're getting yeah. from that, that I would describe it like that. So it, as you said, it can be a range of how they look. Right, because you can always have a happy mood and a sad mood and an angry mood. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah. that way, I think you're so right to say that actually a bright photo is also a mood that you create. Absolutely. So it's, it, yeah, I, I have a similar feeling like that's the way, you know, the word is used. It's a bit Absolutely. loose. And that is something that I actually learned from Rachel Korinek at Two Love Studio. Ah. You know, she's the one who actually brought this idea of there are different kinds of moods. So bright and airy is also a mood. And, you know, yeah, and absolutely. you have dark and what is dark can also be bright and a little bit like your work. And what is bright can also be a bit dark. It depends on the shadows. Absolutely. So, so I just feel like, you know, so I want to focus in on the mood that you create. So if I had to ask you, you know, your signature style, like if we pick up some of your images, for example, you recently posted your latest image, you know, the Blackberry Fizz, right? It's a Blackberry uh, Gin yeah. Fizz. Yeah, oh, I'll talk about that. Right? Yeah. So, so is it okay to just... Mm, yeah, sorry. sorry. I just want to compliment what Rachel has said. Exactly. When a mood is successful, when all the elements of, for example, if you want to do a 
bright and happy mood is it would be successful when the set, the light, the props, and the storytelling creates that mood. As you know, that's that as I was saying, the opposite of it. Darkness doesn't necessarily bring a dark and moody set. So that's True. absolutely right. So the mood is the successfulness of what you want to convey. And it can be through a hard light, soft light, darker, brighter. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely, honey. So I'm going to go back to your yeah. Blackberry Gin Fizz. And I'm going to kind of keep that as like the foundation of our conversation today. Let's say we are talking about okay. that mood. So that one has a very signature mood that you create. Another one is, you know, the chocolate ice cream drip photo that you had. That is also a very signature. They're kind of similar moods, I would say. You also have a burrata salad. Was it a summer? Yeah, burrata, burrata. tomato salad. Yes. So these are all, I feel, kind of falling in a similar category of mood that you create and somewhat your signature mood that you, you create. Would you agree to that? Would you yeah, say this? I, I totally agree. But the funny part is that photo is two years old, the one that I posted. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you, my lighting is kind of consistent in most of them. And that's another thing. I keep the work on Instagram I have consistent because I wanted to have that niche right. here. And I have gotten good jobs through this because the client came and said, we want exactly what you're doing here wow that's um mm. so that actually that gene fizz is part of a work i did for a gene company but i one of the things i do is when i'm working for clients i'll sometimes just remove the product and just from what i have i just take a few yep. photos for myself for instagram because otherwise how i can you know have images i don't want it to be an advertising for them or you know um, come across as that so i just remove you know the branding and just have a few photos of the, the dish or the drink to just have on my social media so yes that was part of a, a project yeah. for a client so i have to say a few things if you go back to like three years ago that i started till now i can see the differences that i have come and the similarities. So I say my lighting has gotten more defined. As you say, this is the lighting that I enjoy. And I tell you how I set it up. Definitely. My composition also has changed. I went from more minimal composition like Jean phase that my um, concentration was a lot more on lighting and color to more elaborate and more layering composition, a little bit more, um, especially when I do a little bit more of busy scenes, you can see these shabby, chic, vintage, uh, rustic feels also coming in. And that's, that's how I think the style would change. If you ask me two, three years ago, my style would have been a little bit more minimal. And my editing also, my highlights were a lot less visible. My color is a bit more muted, but I'm, I'm, you know, my style is evolving and changing yeah. with me and so I have uh, switched to having more colors in my photos uh, my highlights are more prominent I would say and yes and my composition I have come to more busier composition and more layerings at the point my lighting but it's mostly at least for what you see on Instagram it comes from one source of light. I always have one source of light 
And I try to shape the light in a way that my main subject becomes the hero. It's like it's a theater scene and the light is boom coming on the main. It's not that obvious because, of course, I do not have like that hard light, uh, you know, shining on it. But I create, I block the light in a way that gradually it um, the vignette you see some of it is through editing but mostly it's when I'm actually doing the lighting so I black the light in, in spots that I want it to be darker to just bring the light in the position to my main you know subject and it can be backlight as for the drink because drinks looks great with backlight and you know for the gin feeds because it was a uh, uh, opaque mm-hmm. and drink yes. so the yes. light yeah, but the top of it had beautiful highlights. So I still use the backlight, but the angle I chose, I chose the angle so you see the, you know, the the, yeah. the top, the highlights. Otherwise, it wouldn't really come true of it. Or the salad also is it's flat light, but the the light is coming from top. It's not a backlight, but it's coming from above. And um, the ice cream, because I was doing the angle from like, I was in it myself. Yeah. Um, I shaped the light. I blocked the light for to where I was standing. So I was, I'm coming from the dark. You don't see light on me much, but then my hand and the ice cream is the brightest part of, you know, the, the scene. And also the front of you know, where it is closer to camera, the light is also blocked there as well. So I hope I can understand. I wish I had this. <laughs> I could, yes. I can explain it. I don't know if you, it makes sense. It would be much easier if, to talk about it when we you know when we have the image in front of us. So I could say, you know, you can see the light is coming from this side, and I have blocked it this way or that way. But yes, in that ice cream image, the light is coming from the left, the way you are looking at me, and it's blocked from the. F- front where you are standing and the back where I'm standing in the center it has the most light in Mm. so I have to say that you've brought up such such an important point in just sharing these details so first of all I feel like there is another misconception that folks have around creating a dark mood and that is they feel like they need to put in less light. They need to underexpose, you know. And every time I read that, someone's saying that, I'm like, no, that's not how you create a mood. So that's exactly what you've just shared with us. And you've told us that to create a mood, you don't have to put less light. You have to shape your light. You have to block it and you have to bring it in a way so that it's creating that particular mood that you want. You want that darkness or you want that brightness how much light you bring in, where you bring it in, the direction that you're getting it in, that matters. That is everything about creating a mood. And you explained it so beautifully right now, you know, so that is, thank you. That is definitely a big takeaway. Do you want to share something on that? Yes, uh, of course. I hear this a lot. Where do you get your, how do you make your back so dark? I have a lot, I can share some photos that the background is a white wall. It's not that I'm hanging a dark cloth or, you know, backdrop behind every scene at all, actually. The way you do the light, because the light is on the main subject, the back naturally going to get darker when you have the center, you know, and then 
by do more editing and you know if, if you work on your lighting you don't it, you don't need to have a you know you can have a white wall looking dark exactly black, absolutely, absolutely in the photos yes. and then another thing is also mm, people overdo reducing highlights in editing Mm-hmm. So some they go uh, underexposed from the beginning. That's uh, that's a whole another story to talk about. Never do yeah. that. Never ever. Uh, I would say your lighting when you're doing your lighting, it should be correct. Correct. Yep. Then you can adjust highlights and shadows a bit more in editing. But again, do not kill all the highlights. I understand it has become a style for some people, and it's working somehow. I know one of the way of editing is like having the highlights very minimal and shadows a bit brighter and creates this kind of a painting look. Yes, yes. You know, scene. <laughs> but yeah. it's an art. You have to have this eye to look to see where to stop. Yeah. Because if there is not contrast in your image, the eye going to get tired. Then it's gonna give up looking for you know exactly. It, it, it doesn't know where like, to focus. Yeah, it doesn't know where to see. Exactly. Mm. And then some people, you know, not naturally love light photos. I have some good followers of me. Good followers of me. They say, when are you gonna turn to bright and you know bright? <laughs> like I love this. And they say it's dark. I say it's not. I actually have white in my. If you go and take this image and take it to Photoshop and just click on the highlights, you see it's white. I have bright brightness in my image. It's just some of them I make it more moodier. You see more of shadows in and some less depending on the mood I'm creating. Um, So it's not like I have no highlights or no brightness in it. And at the same time, if you go and shadows should not be killed. Mm. Make sure when you are editing, you go and check to see if you still have details in them. If yep. you can't see details in the darkness, it means you have underexposed it or you have edited wrong in a way that the shadows are dead. The photo has to have details in the highlights and in the shadows. So any mood you're creating, you're doing bright, you know, bright and happy photos in all white backgrounds or whatever, go check, make sure you have details in your highlights. If it's overexposed, you killed it, then that's wrong. And then also when you're doing lighting, another thing is, for example, that ice cream. Mm -hmm. I have a little white thing I used. I don't know. I think I used the box, little white box even I had uh, to just get a little bit of a bouncing light on the ice Mm -hmm. cream. Yeah. Because I didn't want it on me. I didn't want it in the front or back. But the ice cream is chocolate. Mm. It's dark itself. And mm. the shadow part could get lost. Mm. And in editing also, I added a little mask and just on the ice cream side, yeah. on the chocolate side, and made it a bit, you know, the shadows a bit brighter. Because us, that's my hero. You want to see details yeah. in it. Yeah. So mm. I think... No, that's amazing because you do, it's all about shaping the light. It's exactly, you have to know what mood you are creating and more shadows or less shadows that dictate the kind of mood that you make. I'm actually, I was looking at your sourdough pizza shot and we were talking about, you know, having a dark mood, even with whiter subjects, we can totally do that. And you've shown it so beautifully because you have a sourdough white dough. It's kept on a white base, 
but it has fantastic shadows. The light is coming from behind. So you can see the texture so beautifully. And you're also using your hand, you know, because your hand is in the frame. You're kind of using it to block a little bit of the light and that casts yeah. the shadow. And that really brings out the bubbles that you want to see in the door. So I feel like we cannot be limited, like you said, by, you know, if it's white, then it is a bright photo. You can create different moods just by manipulating light and having any color Absolutely. of your subject. And I have to say Absolutely. that I just love the way you bring highlights. I like a ton of highlights. <laughs> Every yeah, time yeah, I see, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, highlights yeah. make food look delicious. They add yeah. that, you know, richness, that lush character. And so you bring that out so beautifully in your food. So tell us a little bit, honey, how do you actually decide that, okay, I have this food and this is the mood I'm going to create or this is the light? Because I do see that you do uh, sometimes work with a little bit brighter, a little bit more neutral moods as well. You have salads, you know, that you've done, which are a little bit more neutral. They are just a bright photo or just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they don't have yeah. something very mystical going on. So how do you decide when and what food needs what kind of mood? So there are two factors. If I'm working for a client, it's totally a mood board. We sit together. I ask them to send me images and, you know, sometimes they are lost. They send images that they don't match at all. Then I try to narrow it down and bring it to uh, something that is, you know, just trying to make a mood board that is um, making sense from, and sometimes they are very well, they just bring like what they, they have a clear vision. So that is a totally different story. You know, it comes from the client with me sitting together. Most of the time they just like what I do. Last Christmas I did for, for a wine company, I did three reels and a set of images that I also actually posted. It was kind of a, it was a whole project. It was yeah. me doing it and also posting it on my Instagram account. And you can see that for, for example, for, uh, that was my suggestion. They just liked what I did, but at the same time, I chose the mood I wanted for, and uh, the red wine to be moodier and darker with the cheese board. But for the rosé wine, I made this quiche and, um, I used brighter color based on, you know, it was just a lighter dish. The rosé itself is very, yeah. pink and soft yeah, yeah. and I went with the you know my background that I chose it's actually a table with a tablecloth on it so I brought more soft fabric soft mm -hmm. mood soft light colors in it a lot less moodier than their wine mm. and that's that's how you know they trusted me and I just went by how this dish that I was pairing with the wine would uh, look the most beautiful and the red wine just made sense for me to that the darker one, you know, darker mood with the cheese board and that one brighter. But when it comes to my own work, and I have to say, I have uh, from doing, taking photos almost five times a day for myself, I have gone to maybe two times a month now, which is um, kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it is what it is. Uh, you can't have everything at the same time. I have a family, you know, I have a daughter, I have a full-time job. And, uh, I have to, you know, you have to sacrifice somewhere. So that comes from there. And at this point, I would say, and when I was doing five times a week, I had a lot more options to play around with what I wanted to do and just try different moods, one time darker, one time brighter, what, you know, a little bit happier, brighter. 
But now I am, because of my time, I'm a bit more selective in what I'm doing. And another thing is because I take a lot and I style a lot, I style a lot of bright images for HelloFresh daily. I actually have this desire (laughs) to do more moody images for myself. Mm. And, um, you know, working with more rustic and dark because there it's more modern, you know, geometrical bright images you know it's, it's mm. production for big company right. um so that side it gets satisfied more than enough um so since then uh, for me it has become and because it's just two maybe two weekends i do this for myself i go very spontaneously how i see this dish come to life right. for me how, yep. what yep. am i desiring what am i desiring to create now right and I look at it as a self-expression for myself. It comes from the feeling I have, how I see it and all that. But beside that, when it comes to work, it's definitely a work with the client sitting together and talking about what works best. And some sometimes it is the dish that you choose. Uh, it's not like the mood you choose. For the dish, it's a yes. dish that you choose yes. for a certain mood. Yes. So I would say, okay, for example, uh, yes, if you want this uh, to be more of a summer, you know, table and maybe not a greasy, for example, heavy meal, let's go for a lighter snack or, you know, a salad or something like that to bring that sense in yeah. that this is a lighter dish and light uh, for a warmer day or something like that or reverse. So it really depends. It really depends where, you know, am I, am I in charge of choosing the recipe that I'm putting or not? And if I am, then, you know, there's a lot of factors that comes in. Ah, Okay. Okay. Cool. And tell us, so for your personal projects, for your personal work, do you use artificial light? Do you use natural light? And what camera, what lenses are you using now? Sure. So few things. I have, I would say most of the photos you, almost 99% of photos you have seen on my Instagram, they are natural light. Mm. I do have softbox and a not very strong LED light, continuous LED light mm-hmm. that during, you know, winter or fall I would yep. use, or I would use for some drink photography that I, there's bottles and you want to control the highlights and all, and you don't want to have a window in it. Right. Especially for, you know, clients. But personal project, 99% uh, light. But I started diving in since I got a new camera mm-hmm. a few months ago. It's my, <laughs> I have been waiting for it for so long. It came because <laughs> of the corona. It came out so late. Oh, man. Delayed. And then my order got delayed four months. So it came out, the whole production came out late. And once I put the pre-order, it took four months to get delivered to me. So oh. yeah, it was a long, long wait. But I got the Sony Alpha uh, 7 Mark IV. Mm. I got the Tamron lens. Uh, it's the 2875 Tamron. And yep. that's my only lens at the moment. And some of my, the ice cream shot is with it, for example. Yes. Some of my newest images are with it. Mm. And I especially got this because of video, because I was very excited for how the quality of the video it creates, because I uh, took all my photos and videos before, like till two months ago with my, a tiny point and shoot Sony I had okay. for 
six years. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. It is a Sony RX100 Mark IV. It's this tiny. Oh, The lens wow. was fixed. Yeah. Oh, and wow. you know, the pizza, the pizza one you're talking about. Yes. That. Any, any photo oh. you go back. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And all the videos. And I was so happy with the result of such tiny camera creating such good even sounds yes. like people were commenting on the sound of my videos because I like this natural sounds coming and they were they were like what microphone I use I'm like it's my camera microphone and just, you know it was such a tiny camera I couldn't even get any external things attached to it and um so at the moment that's what I'm saying that I updated my gears one is my Sony that I updated and then I got this beautiful Profoto V10X Mm, yep for my birthday for your yes. birthday and I couldn't I actually took um photo a few days ago with it yeah. a couple of weeks ago with it it's the berries on the yep, table yep, the, yep. Like, uh, the summer beautiful that was the first photo I did with it yes I, that was the first photo and it was a test shot I just wanted to create the light with the natural light and yes I'm looking forward to work with it I'm excited to make um Stop motion, stop motion Ooh, with it because okay. stop motion oh. with natural light yes. is, I haven't dive in because I have been using, you know, natural light and um, it just gets jumpy. Editing is so hard. Yes. If you're using natural light, come yes. on, it can kill you. And so I haven't really done stop motion and I'm just waiting to jump in um, new projects. Yes, especially video. You know, I have been creating this recipe videos uh, for and you've seen it on reels and, you know, moodier kind of romantic scene of a home. We are creating yeah. something wow. homemade mm -hmm. and I absolutely love it. I continue to do that. But at the same time, I want to create more different uh, material and put it on, on my, you know, portfolio yes. of work that it is better done with artificial light so yeah oh. good exciting things would come <laughs> I just need a little bit more time <laughs> amazing no and I love Profoto yeah. I have the BeatNX as well and I've been shooting with it yeah. for over three years now it's amazing <sighs> I'm a very artificial light kind of a person like natural light makes me a bit nervous because in Singapore it's either raining or too sunny so our lighting conditions yeah. are <laughs> that's just all over the place but it's addictive I just love I love the flexibility of artificial light and of course the beauty of natural light is something else so thank you for sharing that so let's talk about five tips that you can share uh -huh. with our listeners on how to create dark moody photos so I'm being very specific about the kind of mood that they can create so your style of dark moody if you can share five tips for our okay. listeners uh, let's yeah. not count <laughs> okay let's okay count okay how many, but let's <laughs> i like it let's see how many i can get first of all yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say um if you want photos like mine go for one source of light it can be natural light it can be you know artificial light go for one source of light it also helps um, you to second. control light better is that right honey Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Go for one source source of light. Uh, set it on uh, any any direction that fits the scene, whether it can be backlight, side light. So one that again, <laughs> avoid front light. I still have to come to see a photo that uh, the light is from front and it looks appealing. 
Yes, because the shadows fall behind and your subject looks flat. So avoid that. Then try to shape the light with blocking it with whatever is in your hand. At the moment with my window, I'm blocking it with curtain. With the curtains I have, it just bring it more in, take it more out. And I have a bunch of just cheap, dark papers, big one that I just fold and unfold and, you know, just cover part of the window or, you know, my light. And also have um, some reflector, both dark and, you know, white, in cases you need to bring more contrast in and, you know, use the dark one. Make sure if you're using the white reflector, look where it is you can actually whatever camera is capturing you can see it with your eye train your eye to see when you are moving the lift reflector to get some light for example as i said on the ice cream look at the size of your reflector if you're using this big reflector it means it's reflecting on your whole set if you need it partial you know just for example the way i want I would say I almost never would uh, hold reflector in the back of my set because I want the light to be centered on my subject. So the uh, usually the front and back of my photo is like a vignette darker. And if you want that, <laughs> do not reflect all the light from your source on your set because that's going to kill all the shadows. So look at the size of the reflector you're using. If you need to use a bright reflector it, even a piece of uh, white small paper can do the trick for you you just need to prop it in a way that it stands to your subject against your subject and editing learn how to edit please take an image and start don't be scared just make a copy of your uh, you know raw file and put one on one side that it's not even touched and deleted or whatever and just edit the other one and don't be scared to you know play with the highlights make the whites go higher or lower just see the differences save a few versions for yourself and then go and see how it looks do not get stuck in one idea of highlights always reduced or not touched at all or the shadows you know Work with your editing, work with your editing and see how you can create the mood and also learn how to use masking. Masking in editing also can bring a lot of possibilities for you. It won't undo wrong lighting, but it gives you tools to actually enhance what you have done in lighting better and better. And darker props all works, but doesn't matter. You can, as I said, you can have a white wall. It is how you do the lighting. But one thing specifically I try to avoid is shiny props. Hmm. Um, Shiny props uh, create strong highlights. It's hard to manage. And sometimes um, it's just unavoidable that you get a shine that comes and it's distracting and it's overexposed. And then you need to kind of edit it later Photoshop and sometimes it's really hard to edit it in a way that doesn't look unnatural. So if you can go for something a bit matte uh, for your props, it would do favor. Uh, Also, look at your subject and see what in that subject is the most appealing characteristic you want to show. Is it the texture of that product that stands out the most? Is it the color of it that stands out the most? 
Is it smoothness of it? Is it like the way it catches the light? Is it see-through? For example, you know, the, the current that, that they come in different yep. colors, the yeah. light goes through them. Backlight makes them pop, yeah. for example. Yeah. That doesn't happen with strawberries, okay? So just see how light works with your subject and try to bring that characteristic with your light out. Try to see how your light can show that texture better or that characteristic of it to be clear or, you know, see-through or opaque or smooth and do your best to show that characteristic. And that's how I define my lighting for, for example, to be backlight or side light or Mm -hmm. brighter a bit or darker Mm -hmm. a bit or... If you're working with natural light, you probably know, or if you don't know, then you definitely have to pay attention to this, that the time of the day that you are doing photography matters because uh, the length of the shadow changes. Of course, the, the weather, if it's sunny or cloudy or over, you know, overcast, it changes the characteristic as well. If you're working with uh, studio light, the way you set it up, the higher you go, the lower you go, the closer to the distance, the further these changes, the, the quality of the sh- highlights and shadows you have, then pay attention if you want longer shadows or shorter shadows, or you want them darker or, or more defined or less defined, because the way those shadows and lights comes changes the texture of, for example, you know, the subjects that you're showing. And then Find the right spot for it. And I know it sounds easy saying, but it comes with practice. So give yourself time when you're working on a subject. And do not pick a hard subject like a melting ice cream for your practice. <laughs> because yep. you're going to yep. be disappointed. Yep. So when you are doing exercise, exercise, I say that every time whoever I'm talking, yeah. Spend as much time as you can to exercise your lighting and practice with a very simple subject that can sit quiet there without melting, looking sad or, you know, wilted or something. And try to see how you can actually bring the best out of that product, dish or something just by changing the direction of the light, the height of it, and the distance of it and all. And once you learn that, you can apply it to more and more um, subjects. So I don't know how many tips, but I hope it was enough. Well, I'll just say that you could write a book on it. That's what I would say. (laughs) That means I spoke too much. (laughs) No, it means that it was so power-packed and so fantastic because at the end of the day, if we look at it, mood is light. It is everything to do with light. I mean, props are only the sidekicks. They're just the supporting actors, but the real mood comes in the light. So you explained it so beautifully and you explained everything that goes into finding the right light, shaping it, creating it, understanding it, reading it. So this is fantastic. So we'll wait for your book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. No, but this is great. So such an interesting day. (laughs) I'm going to touch upon one thing that you said, and that is editing. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like I see a lot of great images on social media and I see photographers putting in so much effort on the composition and, you know, they'll cook Mm -hmm. that dish and they'll create beautiful compositions and their photos are great. 
but it's just missing that finishing touch. It's just missing the editing. So tell us a little bit about what application you use. And you talked about masking. So just a little bit more about masking, if you can just, just a brief snapshot on what it has allowed you to do so that we know that that is the last sure. bit of creating a picture, right? Uh, one time, a family member of me told me, I'm sure it was at the very beginning, I was taking food photos, maybe. And she was also amazed. She was just giving me a lot of compliments. Oh my God, I didn't know you can do this. and that. But then she said, I'm sure there would be a time that comes that you take photos and it doesn't need any editing. And it made me laugh. <laughs> because I realized for people who... Oh my God. Um, who doesn't have the background in photography editing means that you've done something wrong that you're fixing it oh no oh no my dear editing is part of inseparable part of creating yeah. and uh it goes hand in hand it's, it's the last touch you are doing and without it it's like your dish is missing salt exactly so yes i use lightroom at work, we take photos with Capture One. So I have uh, looked into Capture One, but it's not something I think. I mean, it's like if you take photos with Canon or Nikon and which one you like better. I mean, I'm sure they are both amazing. But um, for me, I have chose Lightroom. I am I'm very yeah. comfortable with it. And it, it's just adding more and more options to it. I mean, masking two years ago was so different than what it is now. So it's just amazing how much... Um, updates they add and they create uh, more and more tools that makes it easier for you to control. Um, so masking, uh, it, they actually had an update a few months ago, I think. I mean, don't count on my time. Maybe it was like six months ago. It's just time flies. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I say like a couple of weeks ago and then I look at the date like two months ago. <laughs> what? Um, what was happening? COVID has done that to and, us, uh, I think. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's just I'm like going so fast. So, yeah. And they have added some uh, new masking tools that uh, it allows you basically to do anything you would do on your photo to apply a mask and do it only on a certain part of the photo. So now you're masking, you have the option of uh, having a linear mask that goes all over and then you can apply whatever you want, half a way or, you know, like angled certain part. If you want to make, for example, just the back a bit darker, you can just bring this linear and just, you know, add a little bit more darkness there and less, for example, um clarity to make it look you know distance and darker for example that's one way uh, you have the brush that you can just uh, use it as a brush for example go on your berries and just color in the masking and then you know apply more clarity to it or color or you know texture or sharpness or whatever you want and then we have the circle one the circle masking that again it goes circular and it uh, lets you add circular masking in some spots they also have added this amazing color or brightness mask, which means you go and choose a color and you say, apply this adjustment to this certain color. Yeah. And then you can actually change the range of that color. For example, if you choose red, it can say it would be 100% uh, red or it can be a little bit of red and with oranges or a little bit of you know red and yeah. uh, you know purples for example it can get a range of 
one color and it can apply then everything from exposure, highlights, uh, shadows, clarity, sharpness, texture, whatever, you know, saturation, basically everything can be applied in yeah. certain place or certain color or certain amount of darkness or, you know, brightness. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... Yeah, the options are endless, no, actually. Yes, no, yeah. it's such a powerful <laughs> tool. So, yeah, definitely. And Lightroom is actually... I think one of the most popular ones, Capture One is another one, but I'm also a complete Lightroom user and masking is definitely one of my favorites as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I do use Photoshop as well, but very Mm. little Photoshop. It comes when I want to do, because I find retouching, if I need to retouch something, it's much easier and uh, the result is a lot better doing it on uh, in Photoshop than Lightroom. But if it's just one spot or two of something that you want to remove, Lightroom is still enough. You don't even need to, you know, export and do it in Photoshop. Yes. And then uh, I know it wasn't one of the questions. I use also like Adobe Premiere Pro for my mm-hmm. videos. Oh, wow. So I'm an Adobe person. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sounds like that. <laughs> yeah. I really find it interesting. I love the story that you shared, you know, because I do think that a lot of folks have this perception that editing is bad. It's bad practice. Oh my God, you had to edit this. Oh, so this is not how you clicked it. So yeah, the clarification is that you actually have to shoot a photo correctly. Your exposure has to be right. Your highlights have to be in the right place. Your shadows have to yeah. be correct. And then you just go and enhance it, like you said, in the editing application and just make it pop. You know, that's the purpose of taking it to the next level. And another thing is you bring your signature of editing. Editing also can be your signature Mm. that you add. It is, I mean, I can't even imagine that some people would just do a very basic edit and let that opportunity of creating their own signature on an image by editing to you know uh sit out uh yeah editing i am a pro editing person <laughs> yes yes i think it's it's one of the what fun you, parts of taking photos what yeah. do you think like i think that actually editing can also when we are talking about dark and moody photos i feel like just adding a vignette or, you know, a simple Absolutely. using those tools can actually enhance even the mood that we are trying to create, especially if it's dark and moody. It can add that little bit of wowness and bring in, you know, it can accentuate your darks and your shadows so beautifully that you can actually take that mood to the next level. Do you agree, honey? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing is people also, they also hear that you should uh, shoot raw but then they don't recognize that the raw images if you put your camera on both raw and jpeg and then put both output together you see that jpeg looks alive and raw looks dead oh. <laughs> and the reason is the raw images they have like zero data in it for you ready to edit and re-edit and re-edit so just exporting raw images with no editing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Flat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's flat. So uh, tell us a little bit about how do you find inspiration? So we have been talking so much about, you know, camera, the gear, the light. But, you know, if we just really go back a little bit into inspiring ourselves, you know, just have it, getting into the mood ourselves to be able to create a certain mood. How would you say that you 
find inspiration for your photography, let's say for your compositions, or how are these things coming to you? So um, different, different ways, definitely. Sometimes the inspiration comes from a product itself. I'm just shopping and I see a beautiful product and I'm like, I need to take photos of that. And then I, the whole set comes around that single, let's say, pair that I saw that it's just so beautiful that I think about, okay, I'm going to buy some of these and then I'm, I may just make a dish with it. And I'm like, what, what can I make the dish with this pair that it would look beautiful? That's just, just an example that sometimes it really comes from the product itself. That's just so beautiful that I create a whole thing around it. Mm. Sometimes comes from, you know, I think we are all living in a very saturated uh, image. Yes. <laughs> world that it comes from everywhere sometimes I just see um for example you know I'm sure no one thinks that I uh created from zero my rhubarb tart I'm sure all of us we have seen you know geometric rhubarb uh, arrangement different kind of it I'm sure I've seen one somewhere and I loved it and then I thought how can I make this looking like my own style And then, you know, adding those little flowers using that very rustic green wooden backdrop and then bringing those vintage cutlery and things. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make it all soft, that geometry with, you know, all this softness of hominess and make it my own. So the inspiration comes from saying, oh, such a beautiful star, probably on Instagram, Facebook or somewhere. And sometimes... It's like that. Sometimes, you know, comes from a dish we see somewhere. And sometimes, honestly, it's just, I just see an image in my mind. It comes from nowhere. It's, I remember one of the images I did a few years ago. I think even won a challenge. I had a dream. I saw that image in the dream. And then when I woke up, it was so clear. I just wanted to make it. And oh, it, I love it. I don't know how, yeah, but it's 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 sometimes it's very. <laughs> but you know, you know, sometimes we get our best ideas when our when our mind is at rest. So in the shower, when you're just about yeah. to fall asleep, that's when you get this, you know, light bulb idea. So that's probably what happened. But but it's amazing yeah, that absolutely. you know you had so much clarity in. Okay, this is the vision I have for my. <laughs> Photo. I mean, it doesn't happen that much, but when it happens, it actually turns out to be some of my best work. And yeah. thing is, I would say I do take inspiration from images. And the way I look at it, it's because I analyze images that I like. And then I get something out of them. I'm like, oh, I like this lighting a lot. For example, I take it and I apply it in a totally different set that is mine. Or, oh, I really like how she styled, for example, this salad. I take that part of, for example, shaved uh, whatever, a cucumber or something, and then I make something else with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So if something stands out and I try to create a whole new thing around it and put my uh, turn on it and yeah. create, make it my own because there's a way of getting inspired or copying something. Yes, and, of course. Um, and then I remember someone, a few people sometimes just reached out to me and say that person or that person literally copied your image and doesn't that bother you? And I say, no, the reason is there is something that you're like, ah, 
Could you at least give some credit? <laughs> But another thing is, I even tell my student that some people learn from copying exactly.、Mm-hmm. Even when you are learning to do painting, the first thing you do, you put something in front of you and you exactly copy that image. It is absolutely fine if even you want. If you are learning, if you are trying to learn a technique or something, just put something in front of you and totally, you know, copy it because that's how you will see where you are lacking and then try to find your problem. The problem comes when you actually succeed and then put the exact copy on your, you know, Instagram account or something. And that's、uh, that's that's、yes. the part I would say, please don't. <laughs> yes. Or、uh, or give credit, but I mean. I can also see that、um, sometimes some people get inspiration from something, and then they don't even remember who that yeah, person was. Yeah, yeah. Months later, it just、mm-hmm. comes in their mind, and、yes. it's unconsciously. Yes, the image has stuck with them. You can't really go can't. and be a police. Yeah. So whenever people tell me, I say I just think the most positive way, and、yeah. I'm happy that person. If saw my image and it's、uh, you know a replication of my image, I'm happy that that person liked it that much. And if it's、um, unconscious, then it's unconscious. I'm not a police here to go after the person. <laughs> you, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. So, so how do you? What do you think?、Uh, what kind of response do you see on social media? Like, do you think that your bright photos do better or your dark moody <laughs> photos? No, people like it's very clear to you that there is a certain kind of you know affinity. I mean, a certain to me,、uh, yeah. I mean, different different things. I think bright images do better on social media, definitely,、hmm. but not for a person like me who has their follower for their moody photos. So me, whenever I post some、uh, images that it's bright, it doesn't do well. And when I ask people, they say, "Ah,、oh, we like the bright, the dark version better." So yes, I think in general, if someone wants,、uh, you know, to start an image from, you know, the, their page from zero, probably the bright do them better and growing. But、um, someone who has established themselves as like the darker、uh, images and moodier and all that would. Posting bright is kind of a yeah bummer、oh. for them. Wow,、yeah. that's interesting. But I do I do that sometimes, time time to time. But they are always my least accepted、yeah. images. I would say it's. I don't want to say light. <laughs> you say that because you know I personally feel like so. This is again my very personal opinion. This is my observation. So when I joined Instagram a few years ago, my observation was that everybody was getting into this very dark style of photography. You know, very mystical. And so I went the opposite way, and I started doing very bright and airy photos because also I found it a bit tougher to do those.、Uh, so I was more in that direction. But today, even today, and from the beginning, I've noticed that everybody is drawn to a bit of the dark, moody style. I always feel like dark shadows <laughs> and darks draw people in, and they really enjoy that style more than the very bright and airy. That's yeah, that's what I've observed. So. That's interesting. very interesting. I mean,、uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see.、Um, I mean, in my community, yes, I also see that. But also, but when I go on pages of people that they are food photography, it's that's bright in general. On the explore, I see images coming up. For example, if I go on my personal account、mm-hmm. and go and explore and look for food photography, the majority of food that in explore it shows they are bright food photography. 
because yeah. the public like him more. Mm. So they okay. just come more up. <laughs> so if you go and look at, yeah. you know, I would say with, with another account, because, you know, if I go with my business account, like the one I have that you saw, they are all dark photography because that's what I like. It, it shows it to me more. But if I go with personal one and should look for one, yeah, they're all bright. And those are the one that it seems that to public comes out more. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that, yeah, I've just been seeing it from my account. So, yeah, but you're right that Instagram loves bright photos. For yeah, sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, honey. So tell me, how is Instagram treating you now? How is it going for you? Because a lot of us are like in a very, I call it the dark times. <laughs> That's how I call so this. I, I started yeah. my dark time almost two years ago. Oh. So around the time I moved to Berlin, end of summer, like fall of 2020, my reach started going lower and lower, lower and lower. It's like, and it was still like that till the last at least a year and a half. Hmm. And it was very disappointing. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, it is it is what it is. You know, it's, and I kept telling myself it's numbers. It's okay. I had, there was a time that I was doing well and maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe they are, people are just getting bored of me. But then it was at the same time that I also was doing videos and I would see like a lot of videos doing well. Mine are just, not doing that well but I kept doing it because I wanted to have a good portfolio with videos so I was like numbers doesn't matter just keep posting and then I had this uh two or three videos went viral around November something like that and then I gained like 17,000 followers what yeah, <laughs> yeah within within two weeks oh my <laughs> god oh wow yeah. I mean that has happened to everyone else I know that they have been posting real at least with one or two yes, yes. and my none of them even reached a million they reached about half a million or something i know people that they their video reached like one million or one and a half and they gained like twenty thousand in with one video so yeah i know it's crazy but at the same time it was very overwhelming because right after i started having worse reach than ever why? Because I gained all these followers, but they are not engaging. Mm. So my number went up, but my engagement went down. So I was even having less reach. And I was like, this is a curse. I did not want this. But somehow, I don't know what has happened. I think Instagram, it goes through seasonal favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow, I have come out of dark. Somehow, it is just two, three months my images are actually doing very well, mostly. Funny part, old images that I keep posting, they do much better than anything else. Like the pizza one, I don't know mm -hmm. how many followers. I, I think I gained about like 700 followers just from that post. Wow. It's insane. I but I have to it's say insane. that that photo is pretty fantastic. Like it is not like you are just putting out regular work. You are putting out extremely high quality work. Your photography is outstanding. So it's, it definitely has a lot to do with that as well. So it's Thank not you. just, but you know. I mean, <laughs> compared to months before that, you know, yeah. my reach yeah. was like 6,000 and like 800 likes, something like that. All of a sudden, like 4,000 likes and like yeah. 50,000 reach sounds where am I in a fairy tale? 
and on an image because we know that now that you know Instagram is favoring videos. So from my personal side, and one thing that I have noticed, which is really interesting, is images. Um, even the images that they have, like if you go back on my post, like within last two months, you see that I have a lot of like they are like one thousand two hundred likes or something like that, and there are some that they are five, six, four thousand, but. Within the first day, they all had the same. Hmm. It seems now that Instagram is doing what it's supposed to do before. And it's keeping your image live for a few days Hmm. or even a week that it still gets noticed. And I go back to them, you know, the day after I look, it's like a thousand likes or, you know, less than a 10,000, which I go back on, check on them like a week later. And then it starts jump to 60,000, 4,000 wow. like and 700 people following you. Oh. Yeah. So it keeps living way yeah. more than it's supposed to do within a day. This is, this mm. was the thing that, and this is my experience at the moment. I have noticed on some other people's, um, I don't want to put names yeah. down yeah. there, but I just, for example, I just saw someone posted something at the same time as me. And then, you know, we just happened like the day after I just saw, oh, we have some kind of the same like amount. And then five days later, I see, oh my God, like that has like 5,000, for example. So Mm. I see that it's happening to some at least profiles. Yeah. And it's still a mystery, like well, how yeah, Instagram yeah. is treating. But at the time, knock the wood, <laughs> yeah. it is treating me well. Oh, good for you. Because I know folks who have like 60, 70,000 followers and their reach has gone down from 100,000 to 6,000. And yeah. it's really bad. So I'm, I'm not a 100,000 reach person, but my reach has also gone down drastically. So I'm in a very dark time right now. <laughs> So this is encouraging. One and a half year, if I go back and I show you, it's been that. And it is discouraging. But I mean, you always keep saying this platform doesn't owe me anything. Yeah, true. That's what I always say. I say, this is the platform I've learned this craft on. This is the platform that brought the community to me. This is the platform that I've got actually most of my clients from. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they are making money, of course, but I have been using this platform as well. And I have to just go with it. Don't get upset about it or anything. I always look at it as my online portfolio and I put it there, get praised better. No, it's okay. It's there. Whoever wants to see my work, they can just go and see my history and see, you know, how I have been working. And I know it doesn't remove that sad feeling of why and why and my work is still very good and it should be better than last year or whatever, but it makes it a lot better. A lot better. I know. And I would say getting breaks from it also works. For me, it's been kind of forced. I'm posting mostly two times a week and a lot of time I'm still, you know, recovering some old images and I'm posting and I tell you it is it's not just that and mm-hmm. some other images, old ones, they are doing very well. So if you don't have uh, material to post content, just go for the old ones. Yeah. You always think you have new people in your community that they haven't seen them. So absolutely. And you know, there are people that actually they may even remember it. They would still like it. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> this image. You know, it's not like they have seen it every day and they are tired of it. It was like yeah. a year ago, two years ago. They, it's, they may just 
remember it, but not that well and still would be a good, you know, reminder. So don't be afraid of using some of the old content again on the Instagram, because one thing that doesn't change with Instagram is it needs your presence. Mm. Even if going from five days a week like me to two days or one time a week, show up, show Mm -hmm. up with something and keep your presence alive because you go through phases of going up and down with it. But um, you will do a lot better if you're there somehow. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, this dark time kind of has also taught us to come back to the foundation of why we create, right? We started this because it gave us joy. It was our passion. And we kind of have to bring ourselves back to, okay, that is our purpose. So it's kind of teaching us a lesson there as well. So I have one more question, honey, before we wrap up. And I know we talked a lot about this, but if there would be one advice that you could give to food photographers out there, whether they are beginning or they're in the middle of the journey or they're pros, your one advice to food photographers, what would that be? Don't take yourself too serious, but take your job serious. I think that is something I would say because what if you take your own self too serious, you would stop exploring you would stop making mistakes because you want to keep that person presentable don't do that to yourself allow yourself to explore allow yourself to practice allow yourself to make mistakes and try to learn from everybody everybody has something everybody has something to give you try to pick the best that fits your need of learning and practice even to this day I still practice because um if you get out of practice it's like music uh yes it's not like you forget it but the practice is what it makes you the master of your you know of your art and again take your job serious when I say don't take yourself serious but take the job serious if you want to be a food photographer you have to have also a thick skin it is a very competitive job there's a lot people out there's a lot of part of it is networking and reaching and hearing a thousand no's and all that so do not feel discouraged by that just be prepared and Look at it as a business. Yes, creating art. And I say that myself as a sensitive person. It is uh, coming from a sensitive soul. Uh, yes, it's hard to deal with that business part. But if you want this to be your job and you want to work on it passionately, you have to take it serious and be ready for all the punches that comes from a non-creative part. It's <laughs> the business side. Yeah, so I think... <laughs> No, this is amazing. It's so fun to speak to you. I think it really comes through, you know, everything that you say and what you believe in, like just have fun with your work. I think one can really see that in what you create. So thank you, honey, for just being here today and sharing everything from social media Uh to light, to mood, to stories, you know, everything with us. It was such a pleasure having you. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are walking away with very big lessons today. So before you go, honey, just once again, tell us about your social media handles and your website. 
Sure. Uh, so my social media and my website, both are my name. I try to keep it consistent. So it's hania.niku. That's my Instagram. And my website is www.hanianiku.com. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Hani. Such a pleasure having you. Thank you. You have been such a great host. I love your reels. I think I find them so playful. I always laugh. I always thought you are such an amazing person who can put this funny and joyful. And at the same time, you're, you know, you're working with serious subjects. You're doing an amazing job. Every time I see him, I admire what you're doing. Putting your face out like that, it needs gorgeous. It's amazing. Uh, you're doing wonderful. And I, it's absolutely my honor and pleasure to be here. And I hope it was a, a good session for your listeners as well. So that was Honey, and wasn't she just absolutely incredible? Her work is outstanding, and she just so openly shared exactly how she achieves that beautiful, dark mood. You know, it really starts from finding that inspiration, reading the light, and it's all about manipulating light. You just have to get intimate with the light, I would say, and then shape it exactly how you want to create that mood for yourself, and then use editing as a way to kind of take your mood to the next level. And Honey shared the entire journey with us exactly how she did it. Also, she talked about how we can find inspiration, right, from others' work. We don't always have to start from scratch, but really reading photos and really understanding how we can pick up something and create our own out of it. And if you want more on that, I have an entire podcast episode. It's episode 31. It's called Five Ways to Draw Inspiration from Food Photos Without Copying. So if you want more information on how you can actually get inspired by the work of other artists and create in your own style, then check out that episode. But I think Hani today has left us with so many lessons and so many takeaways. She definitely has her own signature style. And I hope that she has inspired you to create a mood that is truly your signature style, you know, to find that for yourself, what works and what is truly reflective of your personality. Of course, if you have any questions as you move along through this process, please don't hesitate to either ask Hani or myself. You know where to find me. I'm on hello at myfoodlens.com or on DM on Instagram at dhyutama underscore myfoodlens. Also, a very big thank you for bearing with my voice and my mm, under the weather tone today. Thank you so much for that. I promise I'll be better next week for the next episode. Until then, bye-bye.